Warning, this podcast may contain bad language and shows that some listeners may find Aryan. Viva la revolution. Anything more to add to that? It also might contain the remnants of Selena's dinner. Mm-hmm. I'm literally, yeah, swigging water now. <laughs> you said you were done. I was done with the eating and I'm thirsty. <laughs> oh, welcome to Seesaw, the ASMR show where you can hear someone drink and eat on air. And Nazis. <laughs> Welcome to Seesaw Podcast. With your hosts, T, Cleves and Selena. Every week, bringing some much-needed balance and humour to brighten up what can sometimes be a dark, disabled world. Bonjour, one and all. Welcome back to Seesaw Podcast. So this week, we are returning to a series. And uh, before we get into that, Selena, nondescript question. Off you go. How was your um, expensive I... non-burger? It was all right, actually. I'd have it again. Even though it didn't taste like chicken? No, but it had the right chicken texture. And don't forget, it was on yellow sticker, so it wasn't upper class price. It was only upper middle class price. That's yep. true. That was a good shopping day. <laughs> <laughs> Bargain. Please, what did you have for your dinner? I don't want to say because it's literally the opposite <laughs> end of the spectrum. <laughs> Go ahead. Value chili out of a can. <laughs> oh no! I what? actually really like it. It's dead nice. Who eats that stuff? Me. Well, you obviously. But... <laughs> it's fucking delicious. Cost of living. Leave me alone. Well, how do you? How do you think I afford the lifestyle I've become accustomed to by eating like a goddamn tramp every week? <laughs> Eat like a tramp is thematic for the film that we're going to be chatting about today. I want to know what you ate for dinner. I made loaded fries. Loaded with what? Jism. It was pulled pork, coleslaw, and cheese. There was something pulled in there. I was pretty close. Let's move on to the episode of the day. We're back with a series, and this time around, we are reviewing a... TV show? Yes. (laughs) Let's run the credits and I can properly intro it. Like, camera, audio description, or film. Seesaw Media proudly presents Seesaw Cinema. Bringing you audio described reviews of the latest and greatest films. Not a film, but today's series, All the Light We Cannot See. Okay, so Seesaw Cinema is back this week. Uh, we have a series rather than a movie to cover, but we've only done the first two episodes, so half of it. The show in question is All the Light We Cannot See, which is on Netflix. It is audio described by our friends at IDC Global. Digital. It's an international digital centre. Oh. I find the only person that's yeah. done any homework. Yeah. I swear International to God. Digital Centre Global, but the credits of the essay, IDC Global. Was it? I thought it said IDC Digital, but now you're saying digital. fucking shambles. Why is it? Like, look, this is not the way Seesaw goes. T, you keep us on track. Selena, you add your comments, and I'm the one that buckers up. 
Why is it the opposite way around this week? <laughs> okay, let me just do one more take. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's do one more take. Yeah. I'm not going to question you. So the show is audio described by our friends at IDC. We had them a few you know? weeks back. And before we jump into the actual audio description, give a quick overview of it. In 2014, released as a novel by Anthony Doer. And this was a Pulitzer Prize winning book as well. Adapted into a four-part series by Netflix in 2023. We have some lovely actors in it, some that are just starting off their careers and a few uh, staples you might have heard of. Uh, We have our main character, Marie Loray Leblanc, played by Aria Mia Loberti. We also have a character of Werner Fennig, played by Louis Hoffman. Mark Ruffalo, the Incredible Hulk himself, is playing Daniel LeBlanc. And Hugh Laurie is also in it as Etienne. I think what we'll do is we'll, we'll go over what this, uh, what this film is actually about, a rough synopsis. Series. Before we jump into this, this is your warning for the first two episodes. Possibly and maybe more. more, because Cleves has watched the whole thing. So spoilers for everything. I don't want him to spoil it for me. He might not have a choice, because he's already ruined some stuff anyway. So this is based in World War II France during the Revolution, 1944. It is based in the city of Saint-Malo. Saint-Malo. Yep. And it stars Maria, who I'm just going to refer to because the name is far too long in French. Isn't it Marie? Uh, Marie. I it was Marie. Marie. Mm. See, I couldn't even get the simple version out. Um, what I mean, this podcast is all backwards this week. Yep. <laughs> Marie, who is a blind teenage girl, and she is broadcasting illegal. Well, basically, it's illegal. You're not allowed to broadcast during the Second World War. So she is broadcasting illegally in the city. Essentially, it does seem like it's a bit like, oh, I just like doing this. But then you do find out, and again, spoilers, in the second episode that there are encoded messages about the bombing to direct the bombs of the Allies. Meanwhile, we also have another character named Werner, who is a Nazi. He is a radio technician who's been recruited by the SS to essentially find people who are doing this illegal broadcast, uh, spies and such. So we have two main characters. They both have a link because they both grew up listening to a professor broadcasting radio across Europe, basically talking about ideas of light and good things and giving them the fuzzy feelings. Early day ASMR, I imagine. And that's essentially where Marie got her inspiration before she became a a spy. And although Werner has discovered this radio program from her, and he's supposed to report it, on frequency 1310, uh, he is not reporting her because shortwave. Shortwave, that's it. But she is, uh, she is streaming on the same frequency that the professor that they both had nostalgia for essentially did. So to start off, based on the first couple of episodes, what do we think of the story and the setting? I have to say, like I've had this book on my like downloaded for however long, and I've not picked it up, or you know press play because it's it's so long so i didn't really know anything about i just knew it was about a blind girl and that's why it's been in my reading pile for a while 
so setting wise, I didn't. I really didn't research this before. I had no idea that it was going to be in France in Saint Malo. Even though it's there, everyone's the French are British, if you like. I suppose that's what it feels like <laughs> in a way. I don't know, but it seems like an interesting setting with the the ocean and all of that. I mean, not not to jump into some of my opinions potentially too early. But yes, they are all British, apart from Mark Ruffalo, who has the most indecipherable accent I've ever heard. I I don't know if he's trying to go for French, but then drops back into British. It's, it's weird. Mark Ruffalo's accent's weird. Why aren't they all doing French accents? Why are they all being British? Especially when the Germans are doing German accents. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What the hell's going on? Marie is played by an American actress doing a British accent is meant to be French? Yeah, I don't get it. It doesn't really make all that much sense. But as far as the accents are concerned, I don't mind her. She's not terrible. <laughs> I mean, you can tell she's American. She, she drifts into the, oh, hello there, the way that Americans think we talk. Oh, yeah. I, I find that when Americans are doing like British accents, it's the same way when we do American accents, it's just so over the top. There's no nuance to it. Well, I think she did a decent enough job. What, was was French out of everyone's range? I just don't understand. I mean, it is the French, it is the French resistance in 1944. That's like, what I mean. It's nuts. It's... I get that they're not doing an American accent because the Americans are coming, aren't they? That's kind of like yeah. But the Brits are also part of the Allies. Yeah, no, no, no but it, France, <laughs> yeah, it's when the Americans are come largely in. liberate. That's what it's about, isn't it? Like, like when the the bombings happened right at the start and stuff, isn't it an American bombing? Yeah. Yeah, so that's how it starts, like the bombings are happening. She perseveres through her broadcast because she has to get those messages out, damn it, by reading 20 leagues under the sea, I think it is, or 200 leagues. I can't remember the name of the book. 20,000 leagues. 20,000. Yeah. I didn't mind the setup. I mean, I've, I've got enough vision to sort of see that the setting was actually quite good. The audio description did a really good job of describing the area, like especially with the debris and stuff like that. So we'll dive a little bit more into the plot because there, there's more to talk about. Uh, there's some sort of magical stone. There's an SS officer who is a jeweler. Von Rumpel. Yeah. <laughs> Rumpel still skin himself. Yeah. Who is looking for a gem. He's sick or something, and he thinks he can cure himself with this magical gem that can curse people, but... It curses them around them, but it gives you immortality, doesn't it? Apparently. Yeah. yeah. Return it to the ocean or something. And he believes that Marie has it. Up to this point, there's, there's no indication of how he knows this, necessarily. Isn't he, isn't he like a gemologist or some shit? He's got some background in stones, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He, he basically makes a whole thing of he is the last jeweler in, in the SS because the others were Jewish. By episode two, it doesn't go into that much detail. They do; he does find her, and there's hey, it's uh, tense at the end of episode one. Oof. Oh yeah, he we- finds her in what was it? Um, scallops? Is it scallops? No, yeah, maybe oysters. Oysters. That's mm. it. So she she finds oysters um, because she's hungry in a place that she used to go to with her dad. Now, I don't want to be an arsehole too early. But they established earlier in the episode that there's no bread, there's no food, because the entire city's on lockdown. The Germans, well, the Nazis won't let anyone leave. It's being bombed to shit. And she knows where this ready supply of oysters is. And there seems to be a fair <laughs> few there. 
And it just seems like I mean, she's begging for bread earlier. A little, little bit of e-begging. What if they're hiding messages in the bread? Braille crust. Don't eat the burnt bread. That's no. all I'm saying. Well, yeah, a bit of a standoff at the end of, of the first episode where uh, Rumpelstiltskin finds her and there's a bit of a, a showdown hoedown in the water. Does she hide the sea of flames, a.k.a. the gem? <laughs> well, they don't tell us if that's what she's done. They might flash back to that. Well, that's another thing, isn't it? It keeps flashing back between kid and adult as well. I actually yeah. quite like that about the show. I like it. And it's showing a very empowering message of visual impairment, to be honest. Let me ask you this question, Selena. If I built a model city for you <laughs> and you traced it with your hands day after day, do you think you could walk that city? No. <laughs> because things change I mean it'd be helpful they told you to stop at the crossroads though I work on my feet and I know but no things change and you get easily disorientated and how do you know roughly how many five you know I, I'm the kind of person who doesn't walk out my front door about soundscape on so you know I, I, I still got my regular routes I need support with could you walk it in blocks though you know until you get to a road, left or right, straight on. I think it'd definitely help. I'm not going to say it wouldn't help. Whether it's, you know, bulletproof, don't That's think so. Words. Like, so she, one, in one aspect, she can walk around the whole of Paris or the whole of Saint-Malo and with her cane. Oh, yep. I still want to know how she got back without her cane from when she was getting the oysters after she did that guy in back yep. to her house. They don't show us that like to no. know how that happened but she can do all that but then the audio description tells me when she's walking around her own home she's doing a lot of feely feely stuff yeah i don't walk around my house like that i just walk no. around it <laughs> with the lights off at night i can go get myself a glass of water and not touch the wall see i do touch things with the back of my hand here and there seemed a lot they seemed excessive like i'm sure i, I do but it made me think, do I do it like I don't think I do. I think it's just all for dramatic effect to, to remind the viewer that she is blind. Well, I will go on record and say now that Aria Mia Laberti is actually a blingy. But I don't so... think she's proper blind. Oh, no, she's know. proper blind. She, has, she is proper blind. She has achromata, achromatopsia. Yes, I've done my homework. Fuck y'all. Yeah, no, I found this out as well, which is proper? some... Some severe kind of colour blindness. No. Oh. Well then I haven't done my homework. <laughs> well, I, I mean back. I that's one for icons yeah. at a later date of what that actually is <laughs> completely. But it's good that they cast a visually impaired actress. I, I think any visually impaired person it's always gonna have issues with the way a visually impaired person is portrayed on screen. There's no two ways about it. And I give credit to this show. They've tried to be authentic as possible. And I think they have put a lot of work into it. They put an entirely global casting call out for this. Mm. Like the way it was done, they called out for blind people effectively across the world. This person wasn't even an actor. This is the first thing they've Mm. done. I know. She was an academic at Rhode Island University. (laughs) And then, you know, she just ended up wound up getting the part. Credit to her. For a first act, she's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought she was great. Pretty, pretty solid performance, to be fair. For a first, first go mm. at it. Agree. And I think that it, even though there were some cringy bits up to this point, 
I think the benefit of having a, a Blinky involved is hopefully other aspects were toned back. Maybe they were like, this was like, okay, that's fine, but you can't have me do this and this and this because that's just not realistic. Like, no one's going to do that shit. It's like it's a representation of a way someone lives their life that is not by choice, but by circumstance. And that by placing someone in a role authentically ensures that basically when you're telling these stories, you're doing it through like a lens of truth. Was that a quote from the director? How dare you? <laughs> I believe it was a quote from Aria herself. Well, I agree. Sounds like a smart girl. I would have got really disorientated down when she was getting her voices, though, and doing all that fighting and getting a good shot with the rock and then finding your way out as well as she did. Skills. You think she's not just a good shot with a rock? She's a good shot with a lot of things. We'll find out. So we have another character, of course. We we have the uh, the blind girl, but we also have the Nazi. Verna. A.K.A. Little Orphan Annie. I was going to say orphan. I feel like he's more orphan than Nazi. But yeah. Kind of becomes Nazi. He is I a know. part of the Nazi regime. But he didn't want to be. Yeah. That is his sister. Oh, Utah. Yeah. <laughs> I have put that down on my notes. Like He does not believe in the cause. But he unfortunately had a very particular set of skills, which meant that he was going to be ideal for them. He is trying to disguise the fact that he is listening to this girl's broadcast and he hasn't sort of given it away. Firstly, I want to say he is terrible at keeping a secret. The first <laughs> guy, he blatantly just tells and then he dies because the roof collapses on him. Yeah, but that's like kind of in the future and then it's like it goes back and tells you like your life story. It's not like in the future, that's like present and then... No, that that's when they, they had the blitz in the, the city in the first episode. Yeah, yeah, but that's like the present, isn't it? Yeah, but he... But then it kind of goes back and tells you about his life story and other... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying he's terrible at keeping a secret about this transmission that he's not supposed to be listening to. He's going to die. He doesn't give a shit. Yeah, true. But he starts doing it again when he gets a new partner and leaves it on and then ends up shooting the bloke. Schmidt. Old Schmidt head. He gets shot and he throws him in a burning carousel thinking there's going to be no repercussions to what he's doing at all. And then he leaves it on the same fucking frequency when <laughs> the SS officer comes, who just puts on the headphones and is like, oh, listening to transmissions. Are. He is the worst. <laughs> he is the absolute worst at keeping a secret. Don't tell him anything. Like, he'll just inexplicably blurt it out to everyone. He... Oh, he's so bad. He's just secret. a nice boy, isn't he? That's... He's got a hard knock life. He's an innocent. Yep, and because, well, he's not that innocent. He did shoot someone in the chest. Well, he, he, he goes around and he, he life or death situation. It's either yeah. him or you know. You fence. say that, but he's part of the Nazi regime. He goes around literally finding people with illegal illegal broadcasts and fucking executing people. Yeah, just because mm-hmm. he found one girl that he fancies over the radio. <laughs> yeah. She's the exception of it, but yeah, he he does make clear that he has been doing this a while, and is quite good at it. Now, whether he's actually shooting people, it doesn't say. But we do watch him shoot Schmidt in the face, well, in the chest. So it's not beyond him to shoot someone. Bit of a mixed-up character, personally. I, I'm not sure what I think of him. I think it's, well, he went to that really hardcore Berlin Academy. 
like soldier academy and he was still a bit of a wimp and too nice of a boy and you would have thought that would have been beaten out of him it was well <laughs> we'll see but uh, i think he does a, a decent job the actor i don't know if he's actually german but his german accent's good thoughts on the nazi side of the coin they were, it was good. I, I, on the whole, like from what I've seen so far, the acting and, you know, that the Nazis themselves are coming across like tough, evil men, exactly how I'd probably have expected them to be in real life, not nice guys. And it is showing that they're, at least with Werner, it's showing that not all Germans were Nazis even if mm. they were a part of the, the military or officers. Like even the guy looking for the for the jewel, he doesn't seem to really give a shit about the Third Reich. He's just like... It's about himself. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, this jewel will cure me of my undefined disease at this point. I don't really give a shit, but I'm going to use my station to achieve it. But it doesn't seem like he actually has any animosity. Please, without spoiling it, what are your thoughts on the first... Well, the, the the Nazi storyline. What's good about it is you have the is is contrasting storylines, isn't it? You have someone from the, the Nazi side, and then you've got someone from the French Resistance side, and then the link that brings them both together, and that's what makes the series slash book interesting for people because it's two separate lives brought together by one form of communication. Did you also read that? No, that was no. <laughs> That was pure cleaves, yeah. Excellent. I am enjoying it on the whole, though, like so far. Like the Mate. story and stuff. I'm getting into it. It's tense. I'm not going to spoil the rest for you, but what I will say is compared to the last two episodes, the first two episodes are garbage. The last two episodes are where shit goes down. Okay. Excitement. <laughs> that, Excitement there's, there's, there's a bit in the last episode where it kind of. It keeps flicking between present and past, and you're like, oh, man, shit's tense. Anyway, I would say watch it all. It gets a double thumbs up from Cleves. I keep thinking it's going to (laughs) end of, like, they're just going to live happily ever after. Uh, What I will say is, having watched the series and then uh, read upon the synopsis of the book, the endings mm. are different. fairly different. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. I hate it when they do that. Oh, yeah. they want to change the book. Oh no. Yeah. A fair bit as well. Oh, uh, yeah. Wow. I've, I'm also enjoying it, but I've also seen that the uh, the critics are not a fan of the Netflix series oh. because they're basing it very much on the book and the amount of changes, including the ending. It's Which, predominantly the ending. I think that's the big difference. I've got to get to the ending then, which it's only four episodes. So having not what having not read the book, I thought I enjoyed it as a stand standalone series. Mm, hmm. It was good. So audio description. Yes. <laughs> so what do we think of the audio description from our friends at ITC? I think it was pretty good, to be honest. Written by Liz Goodman. I hear that at the Voice end of every episode. By ben Brady. Somebody. Cotton. Can you imagine? <laughs> Tesco Mobile. Phone <laughs> cotton. Yeah, I think the audio description was, was pretty good, to be fair. Especially with a blind character, like they have to really convey the blindness and what she's doing. And although that is a bit cringy at times, I think it's it's fairly well done. I, I think you're being not nice enough 
I'm going to have to say, after we spoke to the guys at IDC, I feel like I'm appreciating this audio description a hell of a lot more than what I would have done if I hadn't spoken to them. Because I'm a... Well, for one, I haven't listened to it, but apparently there's introduction notes that you can listen to explaining about each character and what they look like, like the kind of thing you normally get in a theatre before Mm. a, a show. I haven't actually figured out how you do listen to that bit yet. But that's quite interesting and potentially a bit of a game changer. I think that's the first time that's ever been done on a on a like Netflix series. But also they've definitely mentioned race of the characters um, uh, a lot. Which a lot of white people. For. Yeah, a lot of white people. But they say <laughs> it. So Yeah. You yeah. know, credit to them for that. And also, I've really liked how they haven't over-described. They've described things in real detail in that the way somebody smiles or the way someone's done something, that they give good description on that. But then, like, when someone's been shot, for example, they don't say they've killed the person. Like, they don't spell out the obvious. I like that. And they don't over-talk either. It has been, you know... Sometimes I think, I don't know, someone was walking down the corridor and you could hear the footsteps and it didn't talk all the way through that bit. It mm. let you listen to the music and stuff and the tension. It, it's really, really... Now I'm going to compare it, definitely, but they have done a really good job of the audio description. Uh, and when I listen to other stuff now, I will be thinking, have other people reached the same standard? I agree. I, I've listened to... Well, I've watched a few things recently and I have also noticed how good this is in comparison because I've watched a few things which are fucking awful, uh, which makes me resonate with the whole what was said about, oh, sometimes it's just a quick buck, do the bare minimum and get a turn around. And I think I've had one of those experiences recently <laughs> where it's just like, oh, okay, it's it's obvious that they just want to get this done and shipped as quick as possible. That was our last episode. <laughs> <laughs> Can't not be high quality. Sometimes you need the budget version. You need to slap a yellow sticker on it. Yeah. <laughs> Please, audio description. What do you think? Well, I'd like to firstly say that this show is dark AF. Oh, yeah. If you have a modicum of sight, like myself, it was difficult to see. And probably rightly so. I mean, it captures the atmosphere, doesn't it? A lot of it's done overnight, especially like the bombing raids and things like that. Mm-hmm. No in a lot power. of cases, people are going to be you know, swapping messages on the cover of darkness and all that kind of shit. And I get that. Yeah, yeah, lack of power, all that kind of stuff. So great. Visual aspect, though, difficult for me. So I had to have the audio description on, and not just for this episode. But yeah, I thought the audio description was good. I, after talking to the guys at IDC, you do start to notice the fact that our descriptions of people's sort of race and hair colour and that sort of thing is, is coming through. It gives you a a good idea of what the characters look like. I didn't feel they really described the clothes very much, but I guess you just sort of guess at that. Hmm. Yeah. Whether, what, whether it's really relevant, I don't know. But you'd think um, uh, more so, I think, the Nazi officers and that sort of thing. It might have it been did helpful. say about the uniform. I think it just said like SS uniform. Okay. All right. then. But I did like that. how it described like the car like a Zidane or whatever, and, it's, and then it pointed out things on the car. It didn't just say the car. 
They gave mm. you the, the model of the car, and then it said about the SS like badge being on it. It highlighted stuff on that. I like. Yeah, and that's good. Like picked out the relevant points, which I think is mm. good. Yeah, the stuff that you really need to know. So again, two thumbs up from me. Yes, I will also give it two thumbs up. Selena, are you going to finish this one? What with two thumbs up? Well, the, I mean the last two episodes. <laughs> um. Yeah. Definitely want to know what happens. Okay, well, I did wonder, like, going into this, whether this would be your jam. No, I... No point can, like, the Nazi officer dunk. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he might have tried dunking, but I don't... (laughs) I'm not sure whether... Well, he did dunk him underwater or not. So maybe he's practising. I I like World War II stuff. I thought he was just going to stop there, unlike World War II. (laughs) (laughs) Just objectively, Great War. (laughs) <laughs> no, the great war is the first one <laughs> no I, I find it actually it's really interesting because i read a lot of like books wise i read a lot of about the holocaust and all that kind of stuff and i've actually seen the resistance so i've never watched anything like that i, d- I don't know if it any of it's based on a true story or not no it's um not. Well, the bottom of Sam Malo apparently is. Yes, it is. Yeah. But the the whole the actual actual character, yeah, yeah, it's the characters and, and stuff. Yeah, historical yeah. fiction. Yeah. it's just it's based, yeah, in historical mm. events. But the characters are. Oh, okay, well, that's a shame. Fictional. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm sure enjoying a magical jewel. No, I wasn't. I was expecting them. I don't know about a blind girl. <laughs> maybe that was a a thing. Spoiler alert: the jewel's not really magical. I didn't think it was. <laughs> Can you imagine it? It might have been one of those like big twist turns where it turns out like one of the Infinity Stones. Man in the High Castle, and they could fucking travel through different worlds or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> Jesus. I did wonder if it was based on maybe someone delivering secret messages over the radio, but maybe it not. takes a very big twist, and the the Sea of Flames Stone is Harry Potter based in the end. <laughs> Edwig turns up, he's carrying messages, like all that all that stuff. Nice. Okay. So there's our review of All, all the Light, light we, we Cannot, cannot see. see. And I like how it does the braille bit, like the name All the Light We Cannot See, it does it in Braille, doesn't it? And then it changes yeah, it on the title. Mm, yeah. Visual Braille. Great Ooh. to see. Also completely useless. <laughs> no, because, like if you, no because if you go to your screen on the new ones. It comes out of the screen. It has that 4D <laughs> effect. <laughs> Imagine a Braille TV. <laughs> what nonsense would that be? It's coming in shit other holes. That's what OLED is. That would have some interesting utilizations if it was doing outlines of things. Okay. Oh. You meant porn. So, <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please go and give it a watch. Uh, and let us know what you think. We want to know how you think the audio description went and what the story's like. Similarly, if you've read the book, please let us know what you think, without spoilers, but what do you think of the adaptation as Netflix have put forward? Because sometimes, yeah, the stuffy shirts, they, they're a bit hot, 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 but it doesn't really... Yeah, if you like something, you like something at the end of the day. Any closing thoughts before we sign off? I'm glad I watched the series before I read the book. I think I will go and read the book at some point. 
Um, thank you to IDC Digital for doing such a good job on the audio description. Well done, IDC. Please keep fighting for those contracts because this is the highest standard that we really need. So until next time, keep your jewels close and hidden. Thank you for listening to Seesaw Podcast. Your feedback and comments mean a lot to us. So if you'd like to get in touch, you can do so in the following ways. You can find us on Twitter at Seesaw Pod, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Seesaw Podcast. And you can also join us at SeesawPodcast.com. Remember to like, rate, review, and share with a friend. This podcast was recorded in front of a blind audience.